We need to be like John the Baptist. We do. Now, don't worry. I'm not proposing that for next year's pilgrimage that the kids and I are going to do a tour of our nation's rivers, baptizing people and living off a diet of bugs and wild honey and weeds. You might not be too excited about me as your youth minister if I did that. Or that we'll forego the rest of the service and go stand on the street corners there on on, uh, North and West Peachtree with sandwich boards and megaphones declaring God's reign to be imminent while condemning all the passing drivers on their way homes as sons and daughters of snakes. I mean, being like John the Baptist can seem kind of hard because John the Baptist was loud and he was a little strange. Still, I think we need to be more like John. We do. We need to be evangelical like John the Baptist was evangelical. I just want to acknowledge the chill I felt in the room when I said that word. But you probably all can guess that I don't mean evangelical how we hear it in the news and in the papers every day. I don't mean that we're going to adopt a, a certain political or cultural stance. And I don't mean that we're going to go out with sandwich boards and do that kind of evangelical either. You know, that word's been co-opted. I think that's bad because I think the way in which we're presented with evangelicalism is pretty narrow. It's a shame. Because the kind of evangelicalism I'm talking about is out loud faithfulness. The kind of out loud faithfulness that John the Baptist had. John the Baptist teaches us to learn how to tell our story and then to tell it. John the Baptist shows us how to engage in noticing God and proclaiming God in the other. Now, standing up and telling our our faith story, what we like to call our spiritual autobiography, is a scary thing. We don't do it too much around here. In some In some congregations, meaning even right now, that's a regular part of worship. Making public pronouncements of our our very personal experience with Christ is a very intimate and a very personal thing to do. It's a very scary thing to do. And you know, noticing God in the other is not always easy. Especially when they may not like us very much or even when they may hate us. There's good news today, though, because John gives us a little, a little help. Gives us a little remedial attention, I think. Notice in the gospel today, a couple of things that John does, and I want to point them out to you. First of all, John the Baptist sees Jesus, and then, and then he tells the folks who are with him who Jesus is, who Jesus really is. He's not some itinerant preacher. He's not some Messiah John is dueling with trying to out-preach, John sees Jesus and he points to him and he says, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then John stops talking about himself. John turns his his very own followers' attention to this this new man, this, this, this new preacher, this Jesus. And once Jesus is on the scene, John even tells others that he must diminish 
And then John later talks about an experience that he had, a very personal experience he had with Jesus. John says that he saw the Spirit ascending from heaven like a dove and and that that Spirit remained on Jesus. And he tells others that, that he heard God speaking to him. John says, The one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, like many of our saints, see, had a habit, had uh, an ingrained discipline of having this faith out loud. We have a huge company of saints who go before us who who were like John in many ways because in some way they noticed God at work in the world. They noticed God at work in the other. They saw God and they had their faith out loud. I have a few favorites. Teresa of Avila, Spanish mystic. She wrote a wonderful work called The Interior Castle. She was a contemplative Dietrich Bonhoeffer fought the, uh, did not fight the Nazis, but he, he refused to sign an oath of loyalty again in favor of the Nazi party as a pastor, and he started the Confessing Church of Germany in protest and out of his own faithfulness. Julian of Norwich, someone I, I like to call the first Episcopalian because she lived in England, She lived in a hut outside a church. She was an anchorite. She lived most of her life in seclusion. And and she had visions of God. Of course, Martin Luther King Jr., whose day we celebrate tomorrow. Some of them were contemplatives and writers. Some were martyrs who gave their lives for having their faith out loud, like Dietrich did in Nazi Germany, imprisoned for not signing the oath and summarily executed just days before his camp was liberated. And of course, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was martyred in his efforts to defeat Jim Crow laws and end legally condoned segregation and bring about an era in which we work towards dignity for all people. Now, Julian of Norwich, who's probably one of my favorites, she lived in England, and, and she wrote of God in, in everything. And, and she, she writes this one wonderful passage of, of seeing God in a hazelnut, which to her was probably the smallest thing she could imagine. She had her faith out loud because she saw God in the tiniest of things. She, she meditates on the hazelnut And she says, what may this be? And it was generally answered, thus it is all that is made. I marveled at how it might last, for I thought it might suddenly have fallen to nothing for littleness. And I was answered in my understanding. It lasts and ever shall, for God loves it. And so have all things their beginning by the love of God. Some, like Julian, lived lives of contemplation and wrote great works and lived their faith out loud that way. And then some had an out loud faith that literally shook the world and changed the social order for good. Dr. King's out loud faith, as we all know, was lived through nonviolence 
and, and was lived by teaching that God was present in every person, even in people that might hate us. And he experienced this firsthand because the people who followed him, the people who worked with him daily, put themselves in harm's way in an effort to bring about an end to laws and the practices in our culture that denied them basic human dignity. He himself faced that same violence and imprisonment. But in a 1957 sermon delivered to Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, Dr. King said, The person who hates you most has some good in him. Even the nation that hates you most has some good in it. Even the race that hates you most has some good in it. And when you come to the point that you look in the face of every man and see deep down within him what religion calls the image of God, you begin to love him in spite of. No matter what he does, you see God's image there. You know, we may not live as contemplatives like Julian we may not lead a movement or preach in Washington, D.C. to thousands of people. But, you know, we do still have an opportunity to be like John right here, right now in this community called All Saints. Because I, I think we have an opportunity to create opportunities for one another to tell our stories and to be able to notice Christ in our midst and, and to make that a common part of our conversations and our life together. And to continue seeing Christ in others. Bishop Wright urged the churches to do this one Sunday. Last year on Pentecost Sunday, he issued what was kind of a dare, I think, to Episcopal churches. Because he asked the people who were preaching on that Sunday to take a moment out of their sermon. And then to, to have folks turn to one another and answer the following question. What is God doing for you? How has God moved in your life? Now relax, we're not going to do it right now. Although I'm tempted. Many of my colleagues took up his dare, and some even had interesting stories to tell of how it worked, and some had stories to tell about how uncomfortable it was for the congregation and how it didn't work. But you know, I think it was a move towards giving people permission to share their stories with one another and to tell about Christ among them and around them. See, the church is called not just to be exemplary in good works. We're not, we're not just called to be good at theologizing or, or preaching or even worshiping. We're called to be a community where, where a regular and expected spiritual practice is helping one another notice God at work in the world and others and perhaps even in our enemies and our adversaries. See, friends, sharing what you see God doing in yourself and others is evangelism of the oldest kind. By seeing Christ as John saw Christ. By pointing out to others that Christ is present in this world, that Christ is moving and working in this world. By sharing with one another what we feel and what we experience. We are evangelists. We spread the good news. We are like John the Baptist.